Hey, this is for all of our property manager friends of the podcast. Are you looking to add more properties this year? If so, you got to check out Venturi. These guys are at the forefront of what they do. You should see them at conferences, pack presentations, their booths are slammed, and Brooke, their founder, is a huge fan and supporter of the pod. Venturi has built the first and only software and services platform designed specifically to help property managers recruit homeowners and add new inventory to their rental programs. John, these guys are awesome. They can help you pull lists of vacation rental homeowners in your area and then even market to them across multiple channels from landing pages to chatbots and so many more booking tools. Venturi is here to help you collect leads. Their state-of-the-art CRM with marketing automation can help you easily track those leads and efficiently communicate with them across your entire team. The system can even automatically follow up with your leads instantly. Knowing that your leads are getting contacted right away is an awesome feature. The best part is if you sign up now, you can get a free homeowner marketing list and a free owner landing page. On top of that is 60 day money back guarantee. Venturi makes it completely risk-free to try it out. They will even send you a $50 Amazon gift card just for taking a demo. To learn more, go to Venturi.com forward slash no BS. That's V-I-N-T-O-R-Y.com forward slash no BS. Or just mention that you heard about them on the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast. Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you, man? Fantastic, brother. How are you? I am good. It was a hell of a storm last night like 80 mile per hour winds like thunder and lightning it was uh i'll be honest it was a it was a little freaky it was here at here in fort wayne in the midwest i thought you were talking about the warriors celtics game last night well yeah well they you know (laughs) that that too you're talking about i thought you were talking you're talking about a real storm a real storm not Uh, not sports um you know our our guest on the show um is also from the midwest so i'm curious to get her take on on the storm the actual storm if it if it crushed uh came through chicago uh like it did here last night but uh man season two episode 28 uh we'll get into our guests in just one second um i want a, a quick call out first of all if you're liking the podcast please go ahead go to apple Podcasts, go to spotify leave a review um we appreciate the five star reviews if you have two more seconds please like type up a small paragraph and tell us why you like the podcast that would be fantastic I want to also give an audible shout out to Ventori, yep. who is we are on the our second round of 10 episodes with them. Um, they are moving on for now. They'll be back uh, hopefully in the future for a for more sponsorship with us. But they've been a great sponsor of the yep. podcast. Um, if you want to go ahead and learn more about Ventori, please do not hesitate to go to Ventori forward slash no BS. We have a great um they have a great deal to go ahead, uh, exclusive no BS deal uh, through Ventory to learn more about homeowner acquisition. Huge shout out to Brooke and Ventory. Thank you so much for sponsoring 20 episodes with us. Yeah, thank um, you. No, very grateful to Brooke and that team. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, please like, 
and subscribe, uh, as John noted before, and leave us a review. Uh, we can't do this without you guys. We appreciate the support. We have some pretty amazing new sponsors. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, um, this one uh, on my chest is, is coming out. Uh, well, it should be very, very soon. Cassago's coming in. So shout out to, to Steve and the whole Brian. Yeah, the whole team there. Thank you so much. We're excited to be working with you. We got some new exciting things in the works as well. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead yeah, and introduce it, today's guest. The one, the only, the CEO of Beyond, Julie Brinkman. Thanks so much for joining us today. To Thank you so much for having me, John. I'm glad I could make it, make it through the storm. And Mateo, so great to meet you. Um, I'm super excited to be here. How was the storm? Like, was it was it insane in Chicago too? It was wild. So, you know, it's funny because they test the tornado alarms the first Tuesday of every month. So last week I joked, we never get any. And the tornado alarm started going off. My son was freaking out. My dog was drooling. The baby, like it was insane in our house. Uh, so it was it was a bit of chaos. And luckily, the tree that fell down fell down right behind my car, not on my car. Oh, that's oh, wow. The interesting thing, like all around the city, like here in Fort Wayne, it was like like insane. There's insane videos of like shopping carts flying across parking lots and like like all these things that are like um, the trees falling down and power lines down. Like our normally like like a small storm come through, we'll lose power, but we didn't lose power at all. It just kind of went down and then came back. It was kind of weird. It was like a lot of like, like, like verbose, like we're a storm, we're here. And then nothing really happened. Like we're knock on wood. It was pretty, uh, it was a uh, pretty good. You know, it's more scary visually. I, I don't think anyone got hurt. So, um, but yeah, it was really thing that happens. Like I, I get it in Atlanta. We get it all the time. Cause we get that hot air, cool air all the time. So our thunderstorms are like, they're legendary, but you know, I, how often does that happen? I don't think of that type of weather in like Chicago in that area. That's crazy. I mean, tornadoes are like a Midwest thing. And, but yeah. like, but we went from, you know, seven, like these, like to instantly we were at like a hundred degrees. Yeah. It was pretty like, and really, really humid. So yes. like it doesn't that isn't normally especially in June. Yeah, that, that might be a, like in August September we're gonna get some like some really hot hot weather. But in June it was kind of it was a little uh, out that's, of left field. That's year sure. round down here. <laughs> yeah. So you're like used to it. it. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Atlanta's weather it it's literally snowed and been like seventy in the same day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, but it makes some, for some pretty interesting weather. <laughs> you talk about like thunderstorms that are just, they're just war. It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I want to, I want to chat uh, and we want to get into your story, Julie, for sure. We want to hear, you know, get into, you know, your role at beyond and where you're going, all this stuff. Let's, I want to chat a little bit about what's in the news um, before we dive into that. I'd love to kind of um, what's in the news right now and and on on LinkedIn if you're following LinkedIn there's some some, some heated verbal battles back and forth um, and which you know which we won't get into right now but about um, you know money and SPAC and like an investment and in, and in what is you know let, you know the two Vicasa we're talking Vicasa we're talking Sonder that are not showing um, the numbers that, you know, their investors and the public are wanting to go ahead and see, like, what is, what is your take on, 
on the, these companies that came in and went public and, and like, how are they going to dig themselves out? And, and are, are people overreacting or is this a, or is, you know, is this a real thing? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's a couple interesting things going on. First and foremost, I think, you know, the, the tumult, you, the tumult you're seeing with FACOS in particular and their results is really shows you how hard it is to be a property manager. I mean, you're talking almost endless uh, access to capital and tens of thousands of properties, and they're still having a tough time making a go of it. And so when you think about the thousands of property managers that aren't public companies, that aren't in the spotlight, you know, don't have that access to capital and advisors and, you know, PR and all that stuff, what they must be going through and how difficult scaling a truly local operation is. Um, so that's, I think, the first thing. And then second thing, you know, with Sonder picking up master leases, I think we all learned in the pandemic. Yeah. It's not, I, I, I wouldn't put that as a top 10 investment ideas, you know, if I'm trying to grow my portfolio. Um, and, you know, they, they luckily made it through the pandemic and I think are going through some pretty necessary right sizing in terms of their cost structure. Now, I think at the end of the day, what you'll see with money being much more expensive to access today than it was, you know, a few months ago, the ability to SPAC, the ability to get these crazy valuations has just come off the table. And so what you're seeing is investors really swing the pendulum in terms of what they're rewarding. Yes, growth, but profitability and st uh, stability, cash flow, um, not just growth at all costs. Uh, and it was a pretty remarkable shift overnight. You know, if you think about six months ago, what we were seeing with valuations to now, um, that it can be very hard as an operator to completely pivot your organization, especially for, for entities the size of Sonder and Vacasa. Well, and, and well, my thing is this too, like, what are the runways also? And we have to, no one's talking about the real life effects of everything else that's going on right now. Supply chain issues, inflation within the economy, war, right? Like there are a lot of things that touch our industry in a lot of ways that directly affect operators and direct, directly affect our, our business lines. And, you know, we, we talk about these valuations all the time. And we talk about people not having a path to profitability, but what is the timeline they're given to get there? Like, I think that's the interesting question, right? Because everyone knows Vacasa bought up, right? Saunders getting all this money. So what are their timelines? Like we, we can sit up here and speculate on how they're doing, but what at what stage are they? And are you taking into consideration the reality of the market that they're dealing in right now? And I think those are all questions that the broader that will come in time but like I, I think everyone wants to speculate without really putting the metrics of saying well are they measuring them against where they should be right now yeah exactly you know runway is if you're talking runway we're we're already having a conversation that no I mean no one in my position really wants to have right. because now you're looking at how long do I have to keep the lights on right. uh, you got to make some really tough decisions as you think about making cuts do you cut into growth, you know, your growth opportunities? That's, those are really tough decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the other dynamic in the, in that you're also seeing in the macroeconomic environment is labor. Yeah. We still have a massive labor shortage. It's really hard. We haven't quite returned to all of the systems that parents and people need to go to work on a daily basis. And so operators like Vacasa, like property managers across the world are still having trouble you know, 
running their operation. Um, I, I mean, I mean, we look at Saunders, you know, they made the decision, I think what was it? I think it's 21% of their, of their, of their team, they let go. Is that correct? Am I saying the right yeah, numbers? I think it was 21 of their, what they called their corporate staff. Yeah. So their executive team. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but still, I mean, it's, it's, you know, okay, we're freeing up a little bit of money, you know, and we'll see, you know, I, obviously we wish everyone the best, you know, we had friends in the space who, um, who, you know, at the beginning of everything with the master lease model was completely folded. And then we have other friends that came in and acquired that inventory and acquired those buildings that, you know, um, and, and happened to do well. I was actually very surprised uh, when Sonner decided to go public. I was, um, I was very surprised that, that they weathered it the way they did it obviously, you know, now looking at uh, the, the Sonder model and they're, they ha they're not out of the weeds yet and I wish them the best of luck. Um, and hopefully they, that they do have a path to profitability now. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's likely what they're laying out with their investors, you know, behind closed doors. I mean, the, the other really silver lining here is there are companies both on the supply side and the vendor side that are growing like crazy. And so hopefully as those folks, you know, are having tough decisions at Sonder or Vacasa, they're finding those opportunities that really do have that, um, you know, profitable path in front of them. The interesting, sorry. Scaling is incredibly challenging. <laughs> uh, it, it just, uh, it, you think of what they're doing in the scale of what they're doing, it's, it's incredibly challenging and there's no blueprint for it, right? Like our industry hasn't seen anything like the companies that are coming up. Like, and you look at, you know, the success of like what Steve is doing with V trips and everything he has going on. And then, you know, all of the other, like Cassiola, that is a, a crazy, amazing brand that does, you know, great numbers and is profitable and is doing, you know, and, and actually trying to spread the wealth within the industry and showing people like the right way to do these things. I think when we're talking about these numbers, it, it's, I think it's critical to focus moving forward on the profitability portion of it, because at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? That's what keeps the lights on when the storm hits, right? That's what takes care, make sure that you're in a position to take care of your employees, right? Like, and if that structure of your business is not there, and you're not on, on a path to actually make money, you can't do the things that a successful business will need done you know, at a certain point. So yeah, I think that it'll be interesting to see where these conversations go. It got heated this weekend, um, but I think it's a needed discussion because as an industry, I think there's, there's validity to, you know, all of the conversations, but I do think we need to tone down the rhetoric a little bit and understand, Hey man, these are our friends, our family. These are also people who are working in these jobs and, you know, our opinions are our opinions, but you know, also, you know, this are people's lives that are, are being affected by what we're talking about. And so I think we just need to be a little more heads up around that let's not pretend, you know, this is, this is the way things always have been and always will be right. You know, there was, there was a point in time where growth at all costs was getting rewarded like crazy. And that was like, oh, yeah. I don't know, 12 months ago, you know, so right, for sure. if you sold right. them, then right. big up on you. But, and so I think, I think what I've definitely learned in the, you know, only 35 years I've been on this planet, as I tell my children, I'm kidding, um, is, it's all gray. And so thinking that things are always black and white, just it, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of that equation at some point and, and need to put your hat in your hand. So interesting that that's the default, right? For most of our, like as human beings in nature is to go to that, this or the other, instead of really looking at where those kind of Venn diagrams go together, where a lot of the truth lies, but we'll leave yeah. that there. <laughs> so I, 
so now that we've had that that conversation, um, again, you know, we were excited to have you on the show. You know, one of the things we we love to do on the show is hear about people's journeys and how they got here. So, you know, give us the breakdown. Where did it start? And and you know, let us know. You know, take us all the way to where you are right now. And you know, also love to hear you know your vision for the future. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know, Julie, how how a, a you know a financial advisor goes to to being a you know regional vice president at Groupon. So I and and I want to know about hierology. I'm not familiar with that. And then to being you know obviously these are you know I'm assuming upward trajectories for you, um, you know along your career path, you know. But you, you definitely Groupon to beyond are 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 two, you know obviously it takes similar. Um, mindset and, and skill set to go ahead and, and, and do these things, but they're apples and oranges here. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, these are people, we are all people, these are businesses. And so, you know, if I, uh, Mateo, like to your, to your question where it all started, um, I have, I, I grew up in a house where my mom, uh, my mom became a single mom sort of overnight and she had no uh, college degree and she worked for my dad. And so when my dad left, he was like, oh, by the way, your job's gone. And uh, I, was, I was in fourth grade at the time. So that puts me at about you know, nine, 10 years old. That's where I think it really all started watching her go back to college, go back to law school, you know, bust her butt, uh, graduate number one in law school. I realized two things. One is you have to work really hard. Two is I'm never gonna be in that position. And so I was already pretty a hardworking student. That's, you know, really informed how hard I worked in high school and college. And then at, at you know, after college, I was like sick of writing checks to like Jimmy John's for sandwiches. I'm so poor. It was, <laughs> I was like, can you wait to cash that $3.50, mister? Um, and, and I got a job at Deloitte and here I was, you know, uh, making like right out of school, I thought I was going to make all this money. I'd been bartending. And then I realized, oh my gosh, you actually have to pay taxes. And I made, you know, at the end of the day, you take home not too much cash, but you work really hard. So I spent 10 years. The first stint was actually in forensic accounting. So it was like solving financial crimes, um, which sounds super exciting. Um, it's, oh, it does not. That's <laughs> it, sounds it was boring. Like forensic, anything you got to add forensic in front of, like, that's not like, you know, crime like a murder, analysis, like, yeah, like murder stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, forensic yeah. account. Oh, yeah, okay. This was no murders, they were this. It was this Cleveland Water Department that was my biggest. Um, I probably am not allowed to even say that. Uh, it was my biggest investigation, anyhow. It wasn't my jam, but was my jam was moving over to the financial advisory practice, which mm. helped companies understand the value of their businesses, uh, whether they wanted to sell them or buy some. Um, or, you know, finance them. And I learned a ton in terms of client management, uh, of working hard. I mean, you're talking 80, 90, 100 hours week over week for, for about 10 years and thought that's what I was going to do. Like I was going to be a partner. I was going to wear my pantsuit and we were going to live life uh, gloriously until mandatory retirement at 62. Hey, Julie, I'm, I'm a little disappointed when, when I bumped it, when we, when we chatted down in, in Palm Beach that you didn't wear the pantsuit. Pants uh, it was in the closet. <laughs> Next time, please. Uh, I, I'll, I'll bust it out for you, John. Thank um, you. Yeah, and then it was like, and then a bunch of life happened in a really short period of time. And I realized like there was this 
almost mortgaging of my personality and my who I was to to try to fit this mold. That's not saying that's not talking trash on Deloitte. Deloitte is an amazing place to work. You learn a ton, but I realized I needed to go somewhere where I could be more of my full self. And so why not go to this up and coming, cocky, just public coupon marketplace right down the street where I could wear pink pants and, you know, right. uh, and, and, and have some fun. And that was a complete right turn in terms of my career. Um, I learned a lot about managing people versus managing projects um, and had a ton of fun. Uh, there, was, there was a lot I learned both what to do and what not to do. And so, you know, there were some things I didn't agree with conceptually that, that were, that the executive team operated on. And so I've wanted to find something smaller, which is when I went to hierology, um, we were about a million in revenue. When I got there, I was running the customer, you know, when you run a startup, the first order of business is get customers. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, we'll just handle managing them later. Well, we were at the, we need to handle managing them point. And that was my job was, was come in and figure out how we're not going to lose every customer that we just acquired. Right. Um, and, you know, the business grew, we, we, we did great things. Uh, it was again, a vertical software uh, solution. So we were selling to auto dealers. And you mm -hmm. think Verma is crazy. The, the Verma of, NA, of de auto dealers is next I can level. <laughs> Yeah. And you're building the plane while it's in the air. That's incredible. Like, with this dynamic group of customers, I can only imagine how fun that was. It, I mean, one of our customers legitimately had a tiger. Um, it was, it, it's just wild. Um, and then- <laughs> well, so, I, you know, Wait, wait, time out, time yeah, out. Okay, gonna, so one had a tiger. Yeah. You know you know your boy and shout out to Joe Joyce. He in one of the shows he he went to before you came on board, like he had an alligator no, at I the show. Not. You know this, right? <laughs> you are this is new information for me. Okay, so make sure you ask Joe Joyce about the alligator. Um just like, you know, just could we just leave the wildlife alone? Like no, you know, yeah, I, it might have been a, like a Florida extravaganza, like the Florida yeah, Burma. Unless you're doing like a conservation thing. Yeah. Like, I think it was a baby, but I just okay, even, you're making it worse, man. Like just <laughs> baby. And he was an albino in danger. Yeah, There's yeah, only one yeah. of three in the world, right? And like you tattooed it, right? right. Yeah, yeah. It only had a little bit of blood on the <laughs> All right, back, back, to, back, to, back to your um, hierology. Yeah, so we, um, five years, roughly five years there, grew it a bunch, had, a, you know, built teams, won a lot of, uh, you know, won a lot of accolades from the best places to work. I learned a ton about setting the right culture and building the right team there. And, you know, so when I was going back to market, I had a couple really strict criteria um, one was I wanted to find a company that had product market fit. Two is I'm not in my core, like an entrepreneur, I'm not a founder, but I know how to work with founders and I know how to bring like order to chaos. Yeah. Um, and uh, I needed to, to know that that relationship was going to be strong. Yeah. And then third was I wanted a really um, strong capital position and uh, clear-minded investors. Uh, all things that aren't exactly observable uh, on a piece of paper. And so the screening process was as much on my end as it was on their end, but ultimately fell in love with Beyond, fell in love with the product, fell in love with the people. Uh, it you know, we got to San Francisco and this is right before the pandemic mm -hmm. and everyone was so eager and 
caring about the product and the customer and and what we were offering it was like tangible I could feel it um and so I came on and my first day I, I literally I got an apartment in San Francisco I have three kids I had two at the time I was like hey mom's gonna be gone for like three nights a week and they were like what and I'm like, we'll talk later. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and my plan was to commute to San Francisco from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that was March 2nd of 2020. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting time. <laughs> Nine days later, the NBA canceled their season. And I was like, maybe I should go home. <laughs> I think I got to go home. Um, yeah. So, and then the ride really began. Right, I bet. Before you get there, let me ask you this question. At what point in your career, like, I know you tell me like the point, but talk to me about the decision of when you convinced yourself you wanted to be a CEO. Like, when did you know that you wanted to take it there? Cause it sounds like you had, you know, so much operational experience and, and you, you could do so much in, in terms of building culture and other things. When did you know that you just wanted to be a CEO and tell me about that decision? Yeah. Okay. So there was, there was the first part of my career at Hierology. It was clear at Groupon. I was like, I'm not going to work at a company where I think there's bad decisions being made at the top. So I need to be at the top. That was, that, that was certainly that decision. So Hierology, here I was at the leadership table. And when I grew to the chief operating officer, it was, I was, internally like I'm great being number two I'm great being behind the curtain feeding the the talking points the strategy to the CEO whether it's a board meeting or in, in a you know public presentation and we can execute everything that I'm designing and then at some point I was like wait a second it was about maybe three and a half years into my tenure like why am I happy to sit in the shadows right. I should be out there that's right. my, those are my ideas. That's my job. You know, I'm making this happen. And, and that was, that was sort of the beginning of like, okay, well, you're, there was already a CEO there and he wasn't going anywhere. He's the founder. And so we, uh, that was the, the beginning of sort of how we ended up, you know, giving each other a hug and saying, we had a great run and let me go find something where I can be that person, um, I, in in front, yeah. I, I love the confidence that, that 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 doesn't come across. Like you know, obviously there's ego involved here because you know ego is a positive thing, um, but it's not like a cocky ego. Like like there is like there is a there's confidence that you know, and you've obviously proven yourself through, you know through your whole trajectory in your career. And you're like, you know what, screw this. Like, I, I appreciate, you know, where we've gone and, 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 but I know I'm a big part of getting these companies to where they've gone. It's, it's time to, to step in the limelight. I love that. Well, yeah. And I think John, there's also something too. It's, it's time to put your, like your name on the line too, because there's also like, if you're going to sign up for that growth and those targets, who's like, when you don't hit them, like, right. That's, that that's shit. on you. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there was like, okay, I'm ready to take that. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a lesson in, in courage because it takes courage. I, and that's why I wanted to ask that question because I think a lot of people think they have good ideas and a lot of people, you know, think they can solve problems. And a lot of people, you know, it's easy to sit back and, and criticize and say, this sucks. 
but how many people step up and actually can, and again, confidence, arrogance, whatever you want to call it, if you know that you can do something better and, you know, shame on you for not going ahead and, and actioning that. Like, I think, you know, how many people do you know that actually, you know, that have great ideas and are never going to push them forward or are scared of leadership or, you know, for whatever reasons, don't follow through. Think about how much, you're talking about culture, how much better is your culture when you build a culture of leaders, right? And you build that culture of leaders through leadership and showing them, hey, these are aggressive goals. I'm willing to put my name out here. I'm willing to take this to success and take you with me. That's showing leadership, right? And I think that inspires others. And hopefully, I, I think that's great. I hope that inspires others to do the same thing because that's how change happens. People I hope to- so. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I think at some point you realize in your career, you look around the table and you realize no one has the right answer here. We're only going to get to the right answer by me speaking up and you speaking up and us having an open, respectful you know, conversation about where we need to go. And um, I really try to encourage everyone at Beyond to speak openly, speak transparently. You know, every week we have a blind Q&A with our company. Whatever you want to know, we'll talk about it. Um, because I didn't get to my seat by hiding and by not having the opportunity to honestly be in a job I wasn't quite qualified for. <laughs> Let's talk then. Okay. We, we, you talked about, you know, your leadership. Let's talk about now, you know, you're here at, you're here at beyond you, you came into, you know, nine days, then the NBA shuts down their season. You're like, Oh shit, what's going on? Um, you're, you're a Chicago gal or you're Detroit, but now Midwest gal, you're out West. Um, you left your family back home. Like, like how did, let's talk about this ride. I mean, at, at this time, this is when beyond head was still beyond pricing at the time and had just gone ahead and gotten that big, like what, what was the timeline between when they got the big investment and, and, and please recap what that was again yep. for us um, into where, where were you there already or where you came in right after that investment? Yeah. So, so were you purchased by the investment? <laughs> I am. There was a for sale sign on me. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, it, the investment. So, what John's referring to is we raised a round, a pretty large round, with Bessemer Venture Partners in October of 2019, and David, uh, David Kelso, and Ian McHenry were the two co-founders running the show at the time. So, Ian was CEO, David was CTO. Round closed, and uh, Ian uh, departed after that. And that's when the search started for my role. Um, so that's that was the serendipity that led me to joining Beyond. So um, David David was just more of an interim CEO role. Um, is if I'm speaking out of turn, please let me know. So because it was Ian and then David, and then Ian stepped out. David stepped into CEO during a search for another CEO. Is that correct? So it was it wasn't predetermined that this was going to be an interim position, but you know David. Uh, David did step in because there was a lot of uncertainty running the show, wanted to bring on somebody who could run the strategy and go to market. Um, that's where I came in. And, you know, it was, let's figure out if you saying CEO makes sense or me saying me becoming CEO. So it was a really, um, that was a conversation we had a lot up front. And then all of a sudden, you know, the world was falling apart. And so it was like, well, let's just, let's, let's batten down the hatches and make sure everyone needs what they, uh, has what they need. Um, and then ultimately, I think it was like early last year, I took that CEO role. Now, 
is is David still in a leadership position with with Beyond? Oh yeah, so okay. he's CTO, uh, yeah, founder. Um, he and I, we uh, we have a really close relationship. So he runs all of our product design and engineering. I run all of the the go to market side, and we work really closely together. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's yeah. he's he's uh, he is a really fun. Um, I don't know. He's so unique. I love working with him. And I, remember that was one of my criteria. Yeah. Right. Right. And the interesting thing, like I, uh, I interviewed, um, back when I was with, uh, with track, I did, I had like, uh, prior to this, I had like uh, this little, like, like side gig, like thing I was doing with track and I, I actually, huh. Tracking with John. Yeah. I did this thing called tracking. I actually interviewed, uh, David, uh during for that so i think we had like a 20 minute segment it was pretty cool oh i love that i'll have to find that if you have it share it with me oh for it's it's somewhere um we'll, we'll find it well that's awesome so let, let's talk though so you, you're here you the, the beyond let's talk beyond in the early beyond pricing and in the interesting thing with you know we we've interviewed uh, we've had, you know, Anurag on with Price Labs. We've had David on with Wheelhouse, um, Andrew on with mm -hmm. Wheelhouse. Um, we've had, you know, so there's some different stories about, you know, from different perspectives of how the whole Beyond thing came into fruition and, and where it's going. And I don't really care about that. But what I do care about is everyone knows Beyond Pricing at the time, Beyond Pricing came in and they were the even though Price Labs was there about the same time, you you all were the show in town. Like you were the big splash. Everyone that was getting into the hashtag dynamic pricing um, thing, like you were the game in town and, and all the big players, you had the majority of the, mar the market share and you may still today, um, you probably do. The, what, you know, what happens when a company has the majority of the market share, right? And they've they've gotten all this market share. Like, where do you go and you scale from there? Like, how do you? I've you know in North America, say you have I don't know what that is. Say you have sixty percent, seventy percent of their you know, of the of the you have all the big players at that time. How do you scale and grow other than? And we know you scale and grow by going to Europe. And I know you're 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 going global, and you, and, and that's a big push. I think you have a Barcelona office, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. We right, do. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I did yeah. some research. Oh yeah. Um, the you know but how where do you scale from there like how like i'm assuming some of this investment that came in were was to help maybe build some new things or or give some new options to your already existing clientele like like where do you go from there yeah no it's a great question and i think you know just stepping back if you look at the world and we there's a different there's different sources you can get uh, in terms of market sizing, but somewhere between like Focusrite and Skift, and you're probably looking at 120, 150 billion dollar total GBV in short-term rentals, mm -hmm. and that is growing double digits year over year. Not only taking hotel market share, but also just organically growing, you know, demographically. I mean, you know, I think, and in in an odd way, like my parents, for example got their first Airbnb in the last two years. Um, so you have a, grow, a growing double digit marketplace. Yeah. Um, and you know, so $150 billion, which means there is a ton of opportunity 
globally. Europe, as you mentioned, is larger than the US. It's about a third larger in terms of listing, albeit much more fragmented and much more nuanced in terms of how you grow. But when you look at North America, and granted, I was not, you know, I'm a newbie in this industry. I'm two, right. and, two years and change. Um, so in dog years, I'm like a teenager. Uh, it, so that all the history of, of how, the, how the other pricing providers came to be um, is sort of learned history for me. But uh, first and foremost, North America, you're talking probably about a $50 billion GBV market in total. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think any one of us has dominant market share with that market. Um, yes, there's a lot of, you know, when you think about the, the traditional play, you know, the traditional property managers in the traditional markets, large players that everyone knows about, awareness is super high, but you have a large growing population of these hosts becoming professionals, becoming, mm -hmm. you know, mid-market players. And so um, when we think about our growth in North America, I see nothing but opportunity. It's a different play than, right. you know, three years ago. Right. And because, Europe, because those, those large property management companies that have 4,000 units that have, you know, even 800 units, you know, they've already, that those are kind of out of the, out of the way One either they're already yours or, or you're now you're trying to convince them to come back, but it's not necessarily you know, a focus. Well, I think, yeah, it, it is, it is to this, to the degree that there are, there are folks out there that are still doing this manually, you know, true. and with, with <laughs> teams of people. And if we're learning anything right now, it's, you need people and systems. Um, and so, yes, there is a, there's, there's folks that were not first movers that we're still trying to work with. There's a, a new crop of property managers growing up, adopting, you know, technology um, that, you know, uh, you see with like Guesty and Host Away going after, for example. So I think, but it's a different play, right? So right. now you're talking a true sales motion, true marketing. You have to have real discipline when it comes to going after that market. So that's that's how I see our growth really being fueled out of North America. But we are nowhere near as penetrated um, as you're saying, or that would limit growth there. Um, awesome. The other the other fact of the matter is is like pricing is one thing, you know, mm -hmm. like. How do you even know what's going on in your portfolio? We are, we have three other products, you know, our insights platform, which is our data and insights tool. First, even know what's going on with your portfolio against last year, this year, your mm -hmm. market. Um, pricing is how you get better at that. Then you also make sure you're capturing the right demand with your booking engine. Your listings are getting to the right places with your channel manager. So there's, you know, there's more to the revenue management story than just pricing. And that's also what we see as an opportunity for a growth vector. So what, what are those just, and then I know, I know Mateo is chomping at the bit here. He wants to get okay. in. Um, what are those other products just so, you know, you, we are aware, you, if I'm correct, did you acquire or beyond acquire Blizzard? Was that correct? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so and, and this rebranded as something else and, and different. It's not just rebranded, it's re, retooled from my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> shout out, shout out beyond Unge team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so what are you, I mean, other than beyond pricing, the pricing tools, what are, what are the other things that you're offering? Sure. So we have insights, which is our data and analytics platform. And today that is completely free. So you can connect your Airbnb, your Verbo, any of the PMSs with whom we integrate, you can connect your account, visualize your portfolio, see it against the market, see it against your past. 
that's um, that's the first sort of, if you think about the Maslow hierarchy of value to property managers, that's your base layer. Second is pricing. Everyone knows this is pricing. Um, I think that that drum has been beaten. Third is, is our direct booking engine. And so that came from, we acquired the software assets of Blizzard. So we didn't okay. pick up the marketing services. Okay. Um, we have the website and booking engine business. We did bring over a few folks from Blizzard um, and have been working to retool the back end to make sure that, you know, all one instance, uh, we could easily deploy changes, things like that. Um, because you know, direct booking isn't going anywhere. And you know, with the way that OTAs are, you know, I'm sure you saw the Airbnb changes over the yeah. past few weeks. Like I may you know, or may not work for one of them. Um, excuse me, I, I chatted. <laughs> Uh, well, here I just, you know, I'm chatting as if we're friends, but. Um, That's fair. He's trying, it is always shameless promotion. Yeah, there we go. We love um, Hopper and Eddie's. Right. That's yeah, your day yes. job. That's your day job. Um, bills get paid. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, and then we also have a, a channel manager that works with certain PMSs because certain PMSs make it really hard to get to certain channels. So we want to make our customers' lives easier. Um, and that's Relay, which is our fourth product. Okay. With off offline, uh, I'd like to chat with you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Perfect. <laughs> so, okay. So, Teo, you were going to say something. I just, my question is, you know, looking forward and you're seeing, you know, as this industry is growing, especially with more focused from like Future State and all these other companies that are focusing on hosts, right? And they're focusing on, well, or, or just smaller size managers, giving them better tools, right? How do you, where is your focus? Like, how do you distribute your resources? Like, how do you know where beyond, like, where do you want to be within that space, right? Because as we're seeing these segmented spaces, we're not just seeing one type of manager anymore, right? There's, there is a market for you know, whatever you want to call it, a host or a, you know, a, a amateur manager or whatever you want to name them, they're buying product, right? Like they're, they're, again, we're, we're, there's so much work to push them out of a side hustle into professionalization and using tools. How do you decide and like, how is beyond focusing on, you know, whatever segments they're focusing on? Like what, how do you decide where those resources go and what products to develop and for who, I guess is my question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, th that's the secret sauce, you know, uh, how and what you work on and when. Mm -hmm. um, today, you know, a lot of our investment has been in our multi-product platform in standing up Europe. Europe is not easy, I'll tell you that much, um, but we have an amazing team there. Uh, so I could go on forever about that. They're really focused on the professional side of the house, but professionals are a bit smaller there. You know, now you're talking probably 10, 20 listings. Um, the whole, the whole world of hosts and you know, short-term rental investors, I think, has limitless potential. Now, 100%. and they are sophisticated. They are, uh, they are influential. They realize that, and they're also single double proprietors maybe. So they ain't got time for anything. Yeah. So they need hungry. tools. Yeah. Hungry, yeah. And so- They need BI tools. <laughs> they need BI tools. They need pricing, like, and they get it. And they get the, that, um, you know, you make 20% more in this day and that fuels an entire, uh, an entire season. So the whole notion that you'd manually price is not even in their brain. They, they're like, right. charts, forget it. Right. Um, so I think that world, 
I think that, and you know, it's a groundswell, quite frankly, like you don't do that because you just want one or two listings. You want, you do that because you want to grow your business. You want to retire from your day job and uh, run this. You know, the super interesting thing I've seen in the past, um, and I, I can name drop in there, but I'm not going to, there, there's some, some players in the space that have come in that had, you know, 10 units, 15 units, and then in literally less than a year, they have over a hundred units. And like, and this wouldn't have been without acquisition, like, like through an M&A kind of process in the past, this wouldn't have been possible. But with these tools and that, that you know, that this tech tools that these, these property managers have at their fingertips and have at their disposal um, that are relatively affordable, yeah. um, it's, it gives like, it's amazing. I love seeing these success stories of the, these cats coming into the space that are just crushing and, and they're, they're not just doing it like from like, oh, I got a hundred units. They're like running really smooth business and great customer service and the, and the user experience from their side of the house to the guest side of the house are, is, is exceptional. And it's these, this professionally, and I don't want to say professionally managed, but like just this mindset of coming in, like, this is how it's going to be done. And this is how it needs to be done um, is enable them to scale exponentially faster than, than even say five years ago, where the tech was just kind of coming in. It's, it's insane to see. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you name another industry where you can, you know, start with one and then hundred extra business through the adoption of technology and good customer service without a huge capital investment. It's, yeah. it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's super fun. I, I, I lo- love it. I, I yeah. love it. So, I mean, you, I loved how you said, I love it. You've been in this space now for two and a half years. You came, you're like a newbie and like all the three of us have all kind of stumbled into, and a lot of people stumble into this industry and then just will never leave because they, they love it so much. But like, what is your overall experience like like and i know we were talking uh earlier about you know you know the auto industry trade show to like a vacation rental is you know or you know short-term rental trade show but what is your overall impression of of this space and of you know let's talk you know the people but also like we already talked we know where it's going like it's scaling and, and we know to the trajectory that's not really what i'm asking is like the mindset, like what, where do you see in like the leadership? Like, do you see that we can do better? Do you see, like, are you encouraged with where we are and where we're going? I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, I, it's been definitely two and a half years of learning constantly and, you know, people like Joe and uh, some other folks at beyond I'm so, and, you know, meeting folks like you at trade shows, it's just, I feel like a sponge. I, um, so first and foremost, the the genuine authenticity and friendliness and openness, I I it just speaks to my Midwestern soul, um, and I really appreciate that. Um, two is th- I think there is like while there is as you mentioned at the top of the show some pretty like intense rhetoric, but that's passion at the at the at the root of it. And so there's passion here, passion about growth, passion about who we are. But I think there's something we could really do better is remember who's at the center of this. And that is our, is the property manager, is the host, are the people that are wearing 12 different hats in one hour doing a million different things and 
I really want to see us, you know, when we're at these trade shows and give the opportunity for property managers, for, for hosts to really share best practices, to learn from each other. Because they're so, as we mentioned, scaling this business is really difficult. And how are you paying your cleaners? I can learn something from that. You know, I, we have a client who looks at Airbnb reviews and, and uh, you know, calibrates hourly rate to that that's cool. We should talk about that because that could make your business more profitable. And so, um, you know, when we think about the, the, who we're talking to, remembering that these, these are the folks that are fueling our industry and keeping them at the center of conversation, at the center of development and at the center of care, uh, is something I really like, I, I feel passionately about. Love that. Absolutely love that. The, I, I, I don't know. I like, I'm almost like speechless. Um, and, and I'm never really speechless. <laughs> I don't know if I bored you to death. No, no, no. In a, in a way, like, like, John doesn't have anything to say. No, it was, it was more of First a, like, guess to do I, that, Julie. Absolutely. That's, uh, we're going to have to do something. <laughs> like something drop. That. Yeah. No, the, the interesting thing about it, I, I love the passion behind what you're saying because it's so true and, and it's stuff that, you know, that Mateo and I talk about a lot, you know, and again, it's the whole reason why this podcast is a thing. It's, it's not, we're not talking tips and tricks. We're talking culture. We're talking people. We're talking the fabric of, of our industry and why in, in it's truly is the reason we even have an industry. It's, is yes, obviously there's money to be made here. And that's why everyone gets into something at the end of the day, you want to, you know, you get to provide for your family and, and, but it's the passion and it's this fabric that is super important to us. And, um, and you, and that came out in what you're saying, not only from talking about the people, but, and also I could see how in your position or working for you or under you or with you uh, would be, would be awesome. I guess, I guess that's kind of where, where I was speechless, but then I became very verbose. So I apologize. No, first of all, there's no apologies. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're really lucky. Um, yes, there's money to be made, but I think th these are also community builders. These are folks that are giving back, you know, who's supporting local businesses. These are local businesses. And so yeah. that's, um, I love hearing conversations about you know, those types of things, because I think you get a lot of the hotel lobby owning the PR about X, Y, and Z. And, and that's not really what's going on on the ground. Um, so I could go on for hours, give me a glass of wine. And it's like, I mean, it's what, 10 a.m.? Uh, <laughs> no, hey, hey, somewhere. Full disclosure, uh, we did not give Julie any wine. <laughs> if she's drinking, it's on her own. John, you're giving up the secret to the podcast. <laughs> Ship them out, you know, wine, and then we get them, you know, sauced up and have a great conversation. Um, with what's next for 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 you all? Where 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 are you going next? Um, what I wanted... are you excited about? Listen, that's what I want to know. Like, what? Yeah, what's next? But what are you excited about? Also, like, this is yeah. Like, what's what's exciting coming up? I mean, honestly, like Europe is Europe is exciting. You know, we 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 did some had some fits and starts there, and to see now that we have a Barcelona office in this uh, in the beautiful part of Barcelona with twenty five people there, we That's see insane. French, Italian, Portuguese, uh, you know, Spanish, um, full stack support and products in that, and to see beyond in Europe as beyond and not as like another company 
is wild. I can't get enough of it. I keep going over there and just like soaking it in. Um, but that to me is, is incredibly exciting. Continuing these conversations is really exciting. You know, just getting out and meeting people. I had to spend sort of 18 months behind closed doors because right. everyone was locked down. Yeah. Um, so getting out to shows, I mean, Teo, hopefully I'll see you in a show upcoming. Definitely. Yeah. I will. Um, Are you going to be at Darm? Are you going to be at uh, I will be at Verma International. So the team will be at Darm. Um, yeah, I have some. Uh, Are you going to the World Summit? Yeah, yeah, in Vegas. I, no, in Porto. Oh, in Porto, um, yeah. At TBD, yeah. we might. Yeah. yeah, flights have been insane. And I'm trying to run a, you know, cash efficient company. So uh, we'll see. Right, that's the correct <laughs> answer. Think, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, TBD. I put it on the calendar, but I'm waiting to see if flights come down. Yeah. But um, are you going to be there? I, I'm thinking I am. Uh, yeah. You know, shout out to Antonio. He puts on an amazing conference. And I, uh, I think it's time for us to take uh, the, the No BS podcast overseas. So I think I'm going. I love I'll be it. here. Well, I'll be yeah. here on that one probably. But uh, <laughs> well, no for sure, Vegas. That's payback for, uh, for the summit last week, John. Uh, it's overseas. But you know, no, Barcelona is one of my favorite cities. It, it, and so if I go, I'm definitely going to make stops in Barcelona, like Madrid. I'm going to make a, a tour of it. Um, I, miss, we'll I, I, I miss traveling overseas. I have some good friends that I've met in this industry uh, that I haven't seen in a long time. So I'm going to definitely make some road trips. Please there. do. We have five terraces. It's next to a Gaudi building. It's like you had you sold me in Barcelona. Now you just yeah. make I'll, I'll <laughs> <be there. laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, awesome. Julie, it's been great having you on. We really appreciate you joining the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, one last uh, shout out for those who are listening. Uh, again, huge thank you to Vintory you for, for being um, for yes. being a show sponsor for 20 episodes. We really, really appreciate you. Um, if you're interested in learning more about what they have to offer, do not hesitate to go to Vintory.com forward slash no BS. And um, Julie, thank you so much. We're excited to have you on and excited to see where Beyond's going and, and uh, really excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much, Mateo. Have a wonderful day. I really appreciated you inviting me. Had so much fun. We'll have you back. All right.